I can't wait to meet you in person. This is, we've only been talking for a half an hour and I'm like, oh my, what is this going to be like when I get face to face with her? Welcome back to Shiny Epi People. I'm Lisa Bodner. Friends, today is the season two finale. I've put out about 20 episodes this season. I've met some amazing folks in our field. I introduced them to you, and I shared conversations with longtime friends. I decided to take a pause on here because I really need to recharge my podcasting batteries. I know that you appreciate how much work the show is for me doing it on my own, and it's time for me to have a breather so I can come back ready to produce episodes that continue to be high quality. At the same time as my work on Shiny Epi People, I have actually been working very slowly on a new podcast with Sarah Birkin. You may know Sarah as a co-host of the Academes podcast with Whitney Robinson. Our new show is called This Isn't About Him, and it's a podcast about how we've learned now as divorced women in our 40s that dating isn't about the guy. It's about our own self-discovery. We laugh and share emotional stories, a lot like shiny, happy people, and what we've learned about who we are and what we want in life, and we learn those things through dating. Sarah and I feel that the show will resonate with everyone, regardless of if you are dating or over 40 or academics or divorced. And we celebrate our friendship, which began when Sarah asked me to become her divorce fairy godmother 18 months ago, and we've talked every day since then. The episodes are like conversations that Sarah and I have on the phone, deeply personal, vulnerable, and pretty hilarious at times. We laugh, cry, and call each other out on our bullshit. We plan to put out only about four episodes and then see where it leads. You can follow the show on Twitter at This Isn't About Him, where about is spelled A-B-T. Sorry, Twitter has character limits. And you can also find us on Instagram at this isn't about him with underscores between all the words. <laughs> Again, lots of good handles already taken. We will be posting about the show beginning maybe in May. Again, I got to recharge before launching this. So please have a listen when it comes out. I'll post a trailer for the podcast here in my shiny feed, also as a reminder. So in the meantime, follow this show on your socials so that you can know when it finally drops. Importantly, this show will not replace shiny epi people in my life. Thank you for all the support you've given me this season. Especially thank you to the patrons. I am looking forward to jumping back into this when the time is right and giving you more of what you came here for. I couldn't ask for a better episode to close out season two than with today's, as it is full of heart and laughter. My guest is Paris A.J. Adkins-Jackson. A.J. is a multidisciplinary health equity researcher and new assistant professor in the departments of epidemiology and sociomedical sciences at Columbia University. A.J. earned her Ph.D. in psychometrics from Morgan State University. Prior to that, she received a Master of Public Health with an emphasis in applied biostatistics and epidemiology from Claremont Graduate University and a Master of Arts in Cultural Anthropology from California Institute of Integral Sciences. 
AG's research centers on the impact of structural determinants of health on historically marginalized groups like Black, Indigenous, and Pacific Islander communities. Her current research explores how a lifetime of exposure to adverse policing impacts Alzheimer's disease incidents in Black and Latinx communities in the United States. And for the last time in a little bit, I hope you enjoy this chat. Hi, AJ. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great. Welcome to the show. I'm thrilled that you're here. Me too. So your first name is Paris, but <laughs> people call you AJ or you want to be called AJ. Were you called Paris when you were younger? Yes. I was called Paris until maybe uh, 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, I really, really cannot stand the name Paris. <laughs> Never ever like that name. I try to smile when people say it, but in my head, I'm like, "Did you just call me?" <laughs> so finally, I just started enforcing AJ, um, and I found that it was helpful because it forces people to remember my last name, yeah, um, more than they did before. So they're like AJ Atkins Jackson, but I used to get all kind of variations before that. It works for me. As long as you don't call me Paris. You want to make me upset, you call me Paris. And even my my parents will like pause before they call me Paris because they just want to get my attention. But otherwise, they'll be like, all right, AJ. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I didn't want to have to give you the look. (laughs) Sometimes I'll just ignore people. And I'll let them just keep saying Paris and I'll just be like, (laughs) I can't stand that name. It would have been Tuesday, though. That's what my name would have been. Wait, Tuesday. Like, isn't that the woman from the the Munsters or the Adams Adams family? family? Oh, I love the Adams family. Tuesday. Tuesday. Right? Isn't that her name? Tuesday. And also horribly a day of the week. Um, I know. Like today. (laughs) It's Tuesday. Oh my God, I couldn't have lived that down. They I mean, thankfully my dad changed it. He was in fancy. He was in Paris, France. Um on tour. My dad uh replaced Jermaine Jackson when he left the Jackson Five. Um, Whoa. And he was in Paris and called my mom and was like, if we ever have a daughter, we'll name her Paris. And I was like, this story and she'll is- she'll hate it. <laughs> she'll hate it. <laughs> she'll hate it. <laughs> I think he thought of that. Okay, AJ, you had this whole career before you ever became an epidemiologist. Mm-hmm. You were an anthropologist. Mm-hmm. Were you on faculty somewhere in anthropology? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did you like most about being an anthropologist? I just like studying culture. I think that is probably the most important thing to me on earth is studying how people do things, where they do it, why they do things. Like that's all the juiciness of life for me. I'm only in health to protect people to do all those things I love to experience and observe because it's it's pretty dope. Humans are awesome. I teach Bio, well, I taught biological anthropology, so I would teach evolution, and I was one of those uh, professors that had the skeletons in my classroom. And I actually would make it fun 
where I would hide the skeleton all over <laughs> campus and it'd be a oh scavenger hunt. Uh, the library loved it because it always brought people to the library, but yes. I would just hide it in these random places across campus and it'd be a whole day of it. All of my classes would go look for the skeleton and then they had to dig it up. Okay. <laughs> Which meant and, what? Um, which meant they just had to find it in a chair or underneath a table or something. And then they wouldn't know what species it was. Okay. All they had was like a list of the features. So the occipital bone may not have been formed. It might have like a, a sort of a spiky part to its brain. And then you know that this is closer to uh, our earliest ancestor than sort of the, the roundness we would have in our skull. I definitely knew that. <laughs> or like I would say on the list, it it has um, it's um, I forget the term we used to use for the toe or the the big part of the toe. Oh, I'm losing the term, but um, it dictates whether or not you can walk. And so I would describe this feature in a way that would let you know that they more likely had trouble walking bipedally yes. on two feet. And so then you know earlier ancestor. So those kind of things I would leave as details at each site. And then they would have to write a report for me and predict what kind of species it it was based on those features. So the way I I characterize those days is I was a big proponent of thinking. And so I was the class that my colleagues would encourage students to take first when they got to college, like take her class. I will help you to critically think through things. And so they would come back to class after doing that scavenger hunt, sit in class and write the report in front of me, have me look over it. And I'd go, okay, well, what does that mean though? But what does it mean? And they're like, man, you're trying to make me think. Exactly. That's the (laughs) point. I was in there, think about it. Tell me what it means. I always had activities where you had to think. I had a meiosis dance. They would break into groups and then they had to visually perform the process of meiosis. I love it. It's a different way of thinking. You have to learn it and then translate it. And so there was always like a spin involved. I don't know why they always do spins, but (laughs) they really end up getting it then. As much passion as you have still in anthropology, how did you end up making the move to epidemiology? I was trying to do the higher ed thing um, because I was like, oh, I'm going to make a difference in higher ed. So I start taking these administrator level positions and um, creating programs and services to retain uh, marginalized communities, students from marginalized communities. And then I I gotten really good at doing these kind of reports about retention that was like, this is the average graduation rate of this and so on and so forth, something your office of educational assessment would do. But then I reconnected when I did that work to my love of math that Mm. I had when I was younger, that I had been dissuaded from following. So I was Mm. like, there's something to this. And then my best friend developed breast cancer again. Hmm. I want to do something about it, but I'm I'm not a lab person. <laughs> so what can I do about it? And I had all these investigative skills. So I was like, like there's something called epidemic. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but uh, I, I think I'm going to apply to a program. And I did and got in and I went and spoke with them. I applied to like several programs. I applied to dance and performance studies. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to do movement. 
um, with cancer survivors. And they were like, what? We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. And I was like, I'll go to ethnic studies. And they're like, what are you we don't do applied work. Yeah. And then I went to this public health program, went on a tour and I was like, I want to do movement with cancer survivors. They were like, so you're saying you want to increase the physical functioning of cancer survivors, which will impact their quality of life. <laughs> say words, say words. That's what I'm talking about. Is that how you say it? One of the things that you said on the job talk video that, that you shared with me so I could learn a little bit more about you. One of the things you said was that you left you you stopped studying cancer epi because it got too personal there were too many people yeah. in your lives that were affected by cancer yeah now you're also doing racism work which i'm sure feels very personal yeah um how kind of are you able to tolerate this and maybe not the other yeah though that's a i've never thought of it that way but i think it's probably because of the tools so I, I ran into cancer epi without really thinking about it. I just wanted to do something mm-hmm. and losing my best friend and so many other people just kind of hit me like, but doing something isn't enough. I was so lost. I didn't know what I was doing. So I really relied on my methodological skills because at that point I was mixed methods um, and worked at USAID and kind of tried to gather myself and looked into the psychometrics program at Morgan. And, but within the first semester, I kept saying, I just want a tool to help women self-assess what they need to do to heal themselves. And that's when self-care pulled out of me. After I got those psychometric skills, I was sort of thrust into all of this literature on structural racism as a postdoc. And I was like, y'all want to measure this? I have the skill set. Yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> Randomly, my brain just reminded me that it's called a divergent big toe. That's <laughs> what it's called. With <laughs> that earlier hominins had that humans don't have. Our big toe is closer oh my to God. the rest of the toe. Thank you. I wasn't going to sleep if I didn't Man, hear that tonight. Okay. I, I clearly wasn't going to. <laughs> my brain was like, we are generating this information. Get it together. AJ, there is so much richness in your life outside of work. So other people have sort of been miserable because they're in social isolation, mm-hmm. where my introverted self is like, yay, <laughs> mm-hmm. stay away from me. But I also now really regret my career. What do you mean? I mean, I think I got it wrong. Because music is really your passion? Yeah. You spend a lot of time in all sorts of different types of music, areas of music, making music, performing music. Yeah. Tell me more. Love me some music. Um, I don't know what to say about it, but it's just, it's home. Mm. So this is something I was reflecting on earlier today because my trainer was complaining about my dis. I I basically went into a tirade about Dr. Dre. And As one does. just performed at the... <laughs> I know, right. The Super Bowl. At the Super Bowl. So this is the issue I have with Dr. Dre. Not saying the brother is a talented. The brother is talented. It is undeniable. The brother got the talent. He has it. Okay? That is not questionable. What is questionable are the ad-libs to songs. That's what I have a problem with. Let me give you an example. This is a beautiful song taken from a spiritual, moved into R&B. 
swing down, sweet chariot, and let me ride. I mean, the original is swing low, but nonetheless, and Dr. Dre's song, swing down, sweet chariot, and let me ride. Right? Okay. Beautiful. beautiful. You groove into it. You're feeling good. You're in the car. You're hearing the song. It repeats. You know, what does Dre do? Swing down, sweet chariot, and let me ride. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Who who gave him the mic? What? This is not a friend of his. This is not a friend that would allow him to ruin songs like this. You know, right. he does it in California Love, too. Like, there's some part where Tupac is talking about in California what we wear. And then... Uh, Dre jumps in. Yeah, that's right. Why? <laughs> it was unnecessary. The whole song, he's making so- like noises at the end of it. Oh, oh, California love. <laughs> Even Tupac stops talking at some point in the song. Why is Dr. Dre's mic still on? Wait, so how did we get on Dr. Dre? Oh, <laughs> Oh, yes, because I was, uh, we were talking about this with my trainer. So I was thinking about junior high because he and I started talking about music and I started talking about how important junior high was for me because it was, I was at the intersection of all these things. So I was within two different households. I was even in two different neighborhoods. And then I ended up um, in two different cities. So I'm from South Los Angeles, which is originally called South Central. It's South and Central to LA County. And I was bused to the northern part of the county to go to music school. And I couldn't really explain to my teachers what was happening to me going back home and coming back. Like it was really like a culture shock. And and then at school, they didn't care what we were going through back home. Um, And I wanted someone to listen. So I really kind of buried myself in music. And I found alternative music and Fiona Apple single-handedly saved my life. Wow. Um, because listening to her, I mean, that's how I learned half of my vocabulary for honors English. Uh, <laughs> listening know, right? to, <laughs> listening yes. to Fiona Apple songs, like, yeah. oh, what is that? Just brilliant. And they, those kind of artists, her, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they were merges for me from R&B because they play a lot, a lot of R&B in their rhythm. And that's how I grew up, listening to my dad perform, going to Mm -hmm. music classes, music lessons, going to dance classes every day. (laughs) I grew up like that. So hearing those melodies played out in alternative music then gave me an avenue to communicate with the kids. I was now going to school with Jewish kids. I had never gone to school with Jewish kids Mm -hmm. before. And so I was like, how do I? how to communicate with these kids like what am I doing and music became that you like Fiona Apple I like Fiona Apple okay cool let's talk about Fiona oh you like Sublime yeah. I don't really like Sublime but cool <laughs> you know this is, that's a good song of theirs uh-huh. love is what I got okay right on <laughs> and that's how I, that that became probably the first time music was home it wasn't just something I did it wasn't just a skill I had it wasn't just the way the school was abusing me because I really took it personal that they didn't care about my life but wanted me to perform every day. Like, I felt like that was shady. Like, you want me to do what? Oh, I'm not. I would intentionally read my books and not do my homework to fail so that I couldn't perform. Like, I'm not performing. Because performance for you guys. was contingent on academic performance. Yep. Yep. 
And they would try to threaten me with that. Like, if you're not going to perform, then who are you going to be? I'm going to be myself. What are you talking about? Y'all crazy. <laughs> I'm going to keep being me and tomorrow too. <laughs> I'm be okay. But if you don't care about all of me, then I'm not doing what you want. I'm just not. So get somebody else to do this show. If they had just given me space to go back in my neighborhood, there's no grass. Your neighborhood has grass. Can we talk about it? Hmm. Back in my neighborhood, like there was an incident where I ran home from one of the local gangs and not all the gangs are like this. So I do have to say that because I grew up in another area where the gangs were not like this at all. But this particular time, they were trying to bully my brother. And so they thought they would hurt me to bully him. And I tossed my trombone as I was running home. And the school was so angry. I will never forget my band director, red face, jumped in my face, screamed at me, yelled at me. And I'm trying to tell her like, ma'am. I just ran home. <laughs> no, I didn't run home mm-hmm. with that trombone. I tossed that. I don't know where it is, ma'am. I ran home and they didn't get it. If they just had given me space to go, I don't know how to reconcile all these things I'm seeing and going through. Like my Jewish friends were telling me about discrimination. I was learning about the Holocaust at the same time. Mm. Like I didn't know how to process that information. No one would talk about it. They just cover it in history class. And then I walk out and my friends are like, man, these kids discriminate against us. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to talk about it with them. I don't know how to work through how I feel about it. Like Anne Frank's book changed me. I read that book and was like messed up in the head for a while. Like what happened to this girl? You, you try to tell me millions of people, this happened to millions (laughs) of people. And you want me to go play after this period my instrument. Can someone sit down with me? If they had just given me that, then I might have figured out how to filter my pain into my music Mm. and to dance in a way that didn't catch up to me in my late 30s. I would have made a career out of it. But I've spent so much of my time just being like, nah, y'all don't really care about the artist. Y'all don't really care about the person behind the work. So I'm not giving you my work. Now I feel differently. I'm like, man, if I have to leave this earth because of COVID, I mean, I hope I was in somebody <laughs> musical, you know, give me a chance to come through, you know, something. <laughs> like now I'm all about it. Like put me in there, put somebody, put me up in there. I'm not going to heaven, not have been in a musical. <laughs> what kind of feelings do you get sort of before, during or after performing that draws you to it? Probably during is the most important Um, I just leave it all out there. I just say what I have to say. And I don't have to worry about rereading the article six months later and being like, I should have said this. I never have those problems when I perform. When I perform, I put it all out there. Every little piece, gunk, anything is out there. It's just the truth that it is in that Mm. moment. And I just leave it there. That's it. We once did a show. I was with a dance company. We performed and we got so much love from the audience. We jumped up and down and screamed on stage. And our director was so angry. (laughs) She's like, what did I teach y'all? We're just like, yeah, we did it. (laughs) I think it's that moment when you connected, the audience got what you were trying to portray. And they're like, I see you. So this might this is probably a silly question, but 
Do you get any of that from presenting your work at conferences or no, none of it? Okay. None of it. I use those tools when I have to present. I put on my face. I figure out what am I trying to communicate? And I come back to that. So I use a lot of those principles, but I don't feel the same way. It's not like, yeah. you got me. You heard what I had to say. Mm. I'm like, this is the job. <laughs> this is the job. <laughs> well, if I'm in the audience for a talk you give, I'm going to give you a standing ovation and I'm going to pop my <laughs> fist and be like, yes, AJ, I got you. <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah. Or if I can be virtual. I will turn on my camera and I will give you so much validation. I am here for that. Okay? Thank you. And anyone listening, and anyone listening, we expect you to give AJ some mad props as if she were singing. Thank you. Thank you. Could you, uh, I, if, if you don't want to do this, don't do this. Um, could you like <laughs> sing a couple of lines of your research? Hmm. Oh God, <laughs> that, would, that would require me to actually aggregate my research in my mind. Or just, you know, an objective of some of your work. My aims are to. Test the validity of aggregate structural racism's impact on Alzheimer's disease. Woo, yes! <laughs> I felt you! Thank you. That aim does not make sense, by the way. I was trying to aggregate two aims in my head. <laughs> like, pull this aim from that aim and put it together. <laughs> it, it it didn't matter if it made any sense. I wasn't even listening to the words. I was just listening to your voice. It's so pretty. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that works on my, my review committee. <laughs> hope they sing the words off the page. All right. <laughs> yes. I like that. Fundable score. Fundable score. <laughs> yeah. You need like an MP3 that goes along with, yes. with your grant. Why don't exactly. we institute that? I agree. That would be dope. It's like an audio book mm-hmm. of your grant. Mm-hmm. We're on to something. Why are, are we the first people that have ever thought of this? <laughs> I, what do we do with these kinds of ideas? Because I come up with this stuff all the time. Like, like I'm trying to <laughs> plot and plan on having a kid. And the yeah. only options for these things are like, you get with someone that you're not ready to love to produce yeah. a baby. Um, or you give up the right to have a co-parent and get a donor. Right. It's like, why are these the options? I always think of things like a brilliant co-parenting site where you audition co-parents. Yes. Would you like to have a child? Well, let me check your intergenerational trauma because if it's too much, (laughs) just as much as mine, then we can't do this. This kid is going to be messed up. (laughs) But we can go to therapy together and really Uh see if we would be great co-parents. Why doesn't this exist? Where do we put these ideas? It's We need like the equivalent of a dating app but a co-parenting app, right? 
<laughs> I read the little paragraphs that they provide. And that's where I get the trauma from because I read it and I'm like, mm, daddy issues. Mm, can't, mm, 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 can't have it. <laughs> so I wish mm-hmm. that we could have a site where people could really just have that kind of information because how they look, I don't really care. But I do okay. care if my kid is going to have some epigenetic trauma they're holding on to because they daddy didn't work through their issues with they they grandpa. You know, that, yeah. I care about that. Well, like, okay. I, I believe what would be helpful is a letter of reference Ooh. from, Ooh. right? Or like mm-hmm. a letter of mm-hmm. reference from your therapist. Yeah. So first of all, do you not have a therapist? That's really important to know. Very important. Uh, if you have a therapist or had a therapist, I would like to know what they, th- I mean, this is HIPAA violation all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but I would want to know, like, did you work through your stuff or were you mm-hmm. just this like mess that never really did the work? Right. That's what it I want to know. It could be like the internet kind of bar situation where it tells us how much internet use we actually have or connectivity how much have they worked through their trauma right on a different issue or maybe we should also get um information for the parents right because i mean you don't have to deal with them too well if anyone's listening if anyone's listening (laughs) yes who would be a good co-parent oh Oh, amber would be You out here recruit coffee. <laughs> I'm like, get this site together and I will join. <laughs> and I'm like, no. I'm starting at the bottom. No, I, no. and I'm going directly to the horse's mouth. <laughs> if anyone would be willing to be a great co-parent with AJ, don't call her Paris. Don't and you're golden. <laughs> And 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 don't ad lib like Dr. Dre. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Okay. So something I was surprised to learn about you is that you enjoy martial arts and you mm-hmm. box. Yeah. Boxing. I don't know why I box. So what I like about it is he's a bassist, my trainer. And so um he understands me musically. Oh, cool. And so often he'll give me boxing routines that are very rhythmic. I love that. The other thing that I, I hate the most about him that is the most helpful <laughs> is, is that I'm very sarcastic, but he has sort of a moratorium on my sarcasm when I box because I'm like open emotionally when I'm boxing and when I'm working yeah, out sure. in general. Sure. And so he's like, no negative talk and so I'll make little jokes like oh well you know it's hard to swing around you know I'm a big girl and he'll be like okay we're not gonna talk about that oh and so what it forces me to do is have a different kind of thoughts when I work out so that if there's anything gonna stick to me it's those thoughts yeah and he's a big hype you up person but today like he was just on point today when we were boxing like hyping me up and and he was like, yeah, you can, come on, come on, you faster, you got it, you got it. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I got it, I got some money. you know what? I need that just like while I'm parenting. Someone to be like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you yes. see that? Yes. That was awesome parenting. Do that again. And why isn't Alexa doing this? What is Alexa's job? <laughs> what is Alexa's job? <laughs> just to eavesdrop? 
Right. Why isn't yes. Alexa giving affirmations? Alexa is always just telling me that my package arrived and then, <laughs> right? And then suggesting something dumb. Did you know that I could tell you a knock-knock joke? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't want that. No one's, no one asked you. No one asked you. No one that asked would be you. my response. No one Did I ask you. for this? I know. So Jenny Weave wanted to mm-hmm. know, who is your dream music collaborator? I think it's expected that I would choose Red Hot Chili Peppers because I love Flea, who is the lead bassist for them. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go with David Diggs. Do you know who he is? Yes. I love me some David Diggs. I mean, I love who doesn't? Me him. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Have you seen his TV show? The one that no. he produces? He has one no. on, I think, either Showtime or HBO. But it's so beautiful. Like, it's a story about these families trying to live in poverty and survive in the city and in the Bay Area. And then it breaks into these moments of dance that are just What's it called? Beautiful. I don't Okay. <laughs> okay. Point something. But it is brilliant. It has him all over it when you see it. You're like, this is a David Diggs production oh. i would love to collab with him on my musical because i am writing a musical you are you're <laughs> yes. writing one yes on evolution yes well you have like early homo sapiens <laughs> yes <laughs> right i will have homo erectus up in there okay. australopithecus afarensis is <laughs> it's going down i'm totally down for this <laughs> musical An anthropological musical. (laughs) And if you're going to make me go on a scavenger hunt before, even better. It's a great idea, an interactive musical. (laughs) Okay, so tell me, tell me this. You talked Mm -hmm. about performance. Mm -hmm. Would you be a good mime? No, I laugh too much. I laugh way too much. You do. You would be terrible. It'd be horrible. And I break out into laughter randomly. I also break out into dance randomly. I'm that I'm that woman that you see in the grocery store dancing in the aisle, and you're like, "What is she? Does she hear something I don't hear?" And I won't. I won't have headphones in my ear. Just be me. Mm-hmm. I'll start snapping like, "I'll avoid you." Olive oil. What? Olive oil. Hey, olive oil. Take it low. Olive oil. All right now. <laughs> I just groove to myself. It's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to list a few things and I'd like you to tell me yes or no. JLo. Absolutely yes. Always. Totally. Do you remember when she sang during the inauguration and at the end of <laughs> that she sang? let's get loud was she singing like was she singing the national anthem or america the beautiful or something and then she's like let's get loud (laughs) which i loved which i loved absolutely be your authentic quirky beautiful self absolutely i'm j-lo all day root beer flavored candy why? <laughs> I know. It's gross. I love root beer. Why would you ruin it? The crust on pizza. <laughs> yes or no? No. 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 You're one of those people that leaves all the crust behind. I'm not a bread person. The beach. Oh. 
Absolutely. Live for the beach. Yeah. yeah. Black licorice. No, that is so disgusting. <laughs> it's so disgusting. <laughs> my 10-year-old daughter is like all about the black licorice. I'm like, oh where did God. you come from? Did she swallow it down with something? No. Oh, my God. No, just like licorice, like jelly beans. Like give her all oh the licorice ones. It's gross. Serena Williams. Absolutely, yes. I was just listening to Beyonce Sorry today and laughing. Serena Williams is in the video for it because I think it's like the most hilarious song because she's like, sorry, I ain't sorry. (laughs) That is so hilarious to me. Like, you didn't even wait. Like, sorry, sorry. I ain't sorry. And she just says it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That cracks awesome. me up every time I hear it. Like, anyone else hear this? Okay. <laughs> Times New Roman font. <laughs> I used to be all about that life. Now I'm all of my Ariel, and I know everyone hates it. They're like, You're Ariel? Are you Ariel 11 point? Yeah. Are you? Okay. How do you feel yep. about, I don't know how to say this, Calibri? Calibri? What is it? The default now in word. How do I say it? I don't know. I'm going to sound like a dumbass saying this, I think. (laughs) Has anyone ever even spoken those? (laughs) Right. No. No one knows. (laughs) You just write it if you're going to say anything about it. Exactly. Okay. But but how do you feel about it? It's whack. I immediately change it. Comic Sans. Oh, I feel like I saw this on an advertisement. So it's like a not a yes, but not a no. I think a pretty universally hated font, except Jake Hoffman uses it. <laughs> oh, I so thought that it was this like comic book it that is- I saw recently called Sans. <laughs> You're talking about the font. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I because oh, we were on the, the fonts. We, we were we were I was like, we were going yeah, through fonts. I just saw the ad for that girl. Oh my god. Yeah, you seen it? Oh, you read it? Did you read all of them? Oh my god. <laughs> Comic Sans sucks in a font. It it sucks. It's too round. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, AJ, I'm thrilled that we got a chance to know each other. This has just been the most wonderful (laughs) hour. Well, we're on two because it took us so long to get here. This is this has just been such a pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you for even having this podcast because it's nice. I get to know so many different people in the field and then probably more personal to me because everything for me is like about the relationships I have is that it's provided so many of my friends a space of like mental healing that they're always on me about this podcast. Like, did you, did you see who was on shiny Epi this week? And I'm like, I did not wake up at, on a Saturday and listen in the morning like you, okay? I woke up at like 4 p.m. on a Saturday because this is what mm-hmm. I do on Saturdays, mm-hmm. okay? But I just love the joy in their voices mm-hmm. when they talk about it. So thank you oh. for giving my friends, people I care about, nourishment.
why you're so joyful. You're you're just so full of energy. I I'm never going to sleep tonight, AJ, cuz I'm just going to I have like you infused in me. And it's like three times the amount of very high energy I normally bring into the world and so 